Good morning. I'm so glad you said good morning back. There are a few things worse when one goes, good morning, and then it's silence. So uh, thank you. Um, I warn you, if I start speaking quickly, just start throwing things at me, and it's genetic, you know what mum's like. Um, blame her if I talk quickly. Um, so this morning, uh, we're looking at that passage, um, wonderfully read by Sue. Thank you for doing that for us. Um, we've entitled it Living As If, or would I like to extend that, Living As If, Living In Faith and Living In Hope. So a quick recap on where we were last week. So uh, we had Roy speaking with us, uh, which was a real privilege. So I'm going to turn the brightness up on my iPad. There we go. Um, and so last week we looked at a story where Jesus went to a wedding. And now at the wedding, the wine runs out. Jesus' mum goes, fix this. He goes, nope, I came to fix the world, not weddings. But his mum drags him into it anyway. And of course, he saves the day and turns water into wine, which if you ask me is a brilliant first miracle. Now in between that story and the one we're going to look at this week, a fair bit has happened. Before this story, John tells us that Jesus headed down to Jerusalem for the Passover. Now a little quick note, if you ever read and Jesus headed to Jerusalem, what you're actually reading is and Jesus headed to trouble. Whenever Jesus heads to Jerusalem, it normally doesn't end too well for him. But that might be one reason he retreats back to Galilee in between visits, because it just seems a bit safer. I'm sure his disciples and those who followed him, when he said, right, we're off to Jerusalem, went, really, are you sure about that? Because just on this one visit, a fair bit happened. He turned the tables in the temple. He had a conversation with Nicodemus, who was an important Pharisee, explaining being born again. And that didn't exactly go down well with those who were listening. This is the same conversation where we get that famous verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, so whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Eternal life. I mean, even slightly for us now, but especially then, that was a bonkers idea. And they very much thought so. And again, it didn't always go down well. In this visit, he also um, met and talked with the woman at the well. Whatever her name will be, maybe we'll find out in heaven one day. But I feel sorry for her that she's just the woman at the well. She's a whole person who's got an identity. And Jesus knew that. And Jesus had a conversation with her. So all just in this one visit, there was a lot of controversy. But then we pick up this story as Jesus heads back to Cana. Yep, you've remembered it, Cana, that same insignificant little town where the wedding was from last week. And now there, there was a visiting royal official and his son was ill. And now just to add, this son wasn't actually in Cana, he was back in Capernaum. And now Capernaum was about an eight-hour walk away or so from Cana. And just to give you a rough idea, we think we, think we know how long eight hours is, but that's about if you walked from here to the V&A Museum. That'll take you roughly about eight hours. Um, I did research for this, but I didn't do practical research. I haven't done it. If it's wrong, I'm sorry, blame Google Maps. But however, this man was a wealthy man. He's a royal official. 
meaning that he probably did it on a chariot or on horseback in roughly three hours. So that's like a drive to Wolverhampton, still quite a trek. So last week, we were looking at one of the most joyous occasions that one can be involved in, a wedding. This week, quite a stark contrast, the impending death of a child. Jesus, you'll remember last week, was quite reluctant to get involved. He said, no, mum, now's not my time. But he jumped in and he came to the rescue anyway. However, here, in the sadness, in the pain, Jesus had no hesitation in getting involved. He cared so deeply and still does about the pain, the hurt, the suffering and the broken. Jesus wasted no time at all in getting involved. Now this man, uh, he was an aristocrat, a royal official, and that means that he probably is likely to have been a Sadducee. Now this was the kind of Jew who believed that God determined everything. Health, marital status, how many children you had, your job, your wealth, everything. Everything was determined by fate or by God. They didn't even pray to God asking for things as they believed that the path had already been decided and nothing was going to change that. But today, for this man, that all went out the window. His identity swapped from being Sadducee to scared dad. When under pressure, do we sometimes find ourselves questioning all the things that we thought were true? Our family, our friends, our allegiances, our place. However, that being said, time and time again, we see people within the church who are going through the worst of it all and still proclaiming Jesus as their saviour, both locally and worldwide. People like my friend currently going through cancer treatment and says that she's getting through treatment in God's strength. Or another friend who had a baby really prematurely and is relying on God day by day to see their baby grow and blossom and bloom. Or people currently fleeing from Ukraine. Just uh, last week, uh, Ukrainian President uh, Vladimir Zelensky said, even if you destroy all of our Ukrainian cathedrals and churches, you will not destroy our faith, our sincere belief in Ukraine and God. Belief in people. And if you think about what's going on in his world and his country, to still turn around and go, but we believe. That is faith in the midst of adversity. So this royal official who came to Cana, who believed that life was all set for him and nothing was changeable, asked for help. He asked for a miracle. He approached this guy that he had basically just heard about and he acted. Because if we think about it, really, all this man was going on was hearsay from other people. The old equation of seeing is believing wasn't the case for this man. He only went to find Jesus on the rumours and stories that he had heard from other people. He didn't even know if this Jesus fella was worth phoning home about. But he had to make a call. Not an actual call. Too many phone references there, one after the other. But he had to make a decision. Did he leave Jesus? Um, did he leave his son, sorry, to find Jesus, but maybe find that he was nothing? And in doing that, missed his son's last moments. 
Or maybe did he send a servant? Maybe one of his servants could persuade Jesus to come back to the home. But no, he decides he needs to go himself. And when he was on his way, there were only two options in this man's head. Either Jesus comes back with me and my son might live. Or Jesus doesn't come back with me and my son will die. These were the only two options this man could see. And when he gets to Jesus, he pleads, not once, but repeatedly, again and again and again. The verb tense that's used is that of a continued plea. It's not to say, will you come back to my house? My son's a bit unwell. It's a, please, I'm begging you, you need to come. My son is not well, I'm dying here. Please come with me. This man's dignity, if you think about royal officials, they're normally quite well-to-do and quite proper and quite dignified beings. Not for this man at this moment. All dignity is gone. He is probably laid at Jesus' feet. This man, where his whole life and his whole belief system was that everything was predetermined and nothing was worth asking for, in that moment, it was gone. This was his only option. Jesus was his only option. But then Jesus offered another idea, where this man thought it was only he comes and he might live, or he doesn't come and he will die. Jesus offers this third option. He says, go, he's fine. The translation from the Greek, which again, someone else has done for me, my Greek is less than rusty, uh, translates as, go about your business. It's not a hurry back, you need to go. Why are you here? Your son's ill. Go, go, go. Your family needs you. No, it's a case of, it's all right, mate. Don't worry. It's all good. It's all in hand. You just pop off home. Maybe grab some groceries on the way because I imagine your wife's been pretty busy and she might appreciate dinner. It's all good. Now, this man had a choice. Did he maybe look at his entourage that undoubtedly came with him and said, we could probably take him if we tried by force? Did he think, I'm not leaving here without you? I need you. Or, fine, be like that. You're clearly not all who you are cracked up to be. Or did he trust? Well, we read in verse 50 that the man took Jesus at his word and he departed. He took Jesus at his word and he went. Not hundreds of questions, not hundreds of massive needing proof. He just took Jesus at his word and he went. For many of us, this is where we live too. This man had faith because it says in Hebrews that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. What we do not see. And that's exactly what this man has and this man does and this man demonstrates. At the start, he lived as if what everyone had been saying about this man was true. He acted and he went to find Jesus. He only had hearsay to go on. He only had other people's testimonies. But this was enough. This was enough for him to say, okay, I trust you. That when Jesus said, go, He trusted him and he went. 
Again, he was relying on those stories and those testimonies of those that had gone before him, of those who had experienced and those who had trusted and seen things come to fruition. For most of us, that's probably where we live. We won't have seen miracles happen before our eyes, even though some of us will have done. We won't have seen water being turned into wine, a blind man being able to see, a man raising from the dead. But we can still choose to believe based on the testimonies of others. The Bible, just this one book, is filled with hundreds and hundreds of testimonies about Jesus, what he did, what he promised to do, and what he would promise he would continue to do. For example, just in these series, looking at just a few extracts from just one book of John, this is just a, one giant narrative of John telling us the snippets of what he saw and experienced whilst he journeyed with Jesus. We have stories of water turning into wine, a child on death's door being healed, people who can't walk now being ambulant, feeding a hungry crowd with minimal donated food, a blind man seeing, Jesus himself rising from the dead, and so much more. Those are just a little bit of an insight as to what we might be looking at over the next coming weeks. But for us, now, in 2022, we don't have Jesus here with us in physical form like this man did. Yes, he is here by his Holy Spirit. But this means that things might be more difficult to accept, more difficult to notice. Maybe we just don't even realize they happen, or maybe we put it down to happening for other causes. But we also have the testimony of others. We have the testimonies of those in the Bible from 2,000 years ago, but there are also stories of hope truth, healing and transformation from those sitting just around you. When we normally talk about our testimony, if someone goes, oh, tell me your testimony, we tend to go, well, I became a Christian when? I became a Christian because. And yes, that is really important and really key. But what about everything since then? What God has done and is continuing to do in our lives? In that story, in that story, we read about how this man acted based on the stories of others. You could be those others that help people turn to Jesus. Your stories could help people turn to Jesus. Now, some of you uh, may know of Simon Thomas. If you're about my age, um, then he was a Blue Peter presenter as we grew up. Um, or if not, if you're into your sport, he's a sports pundit um, on TV. Um, but he speaks very openly about his faith. However, in 2017, when it looked like he had it all, a wife, beautiful wife if I may say so, a seven-year-old son, the dream job of a Sky Sports presenter, his world came crashing down. Three days after being diagnosed, Simon's wife, Gemma, died from leukemia. He was broken. He left his job at Sky Sports and focused on raising their son, but focused on just getting through day by day by day. But in 2021, in an interview regarding his return to TV work, he said, I can't begin to imagine what it would have been like to go through this without faith. When you have belief in God, it gives you hope, which is incredibly powerful particularly knowing it is not the end of the day for any of us who have faith. 
There were times in those early months when I felt like God was quiet and wondered where he was in all of this. But he has always been there in this journey throughout the past three years. Now, I've had the privilege of hearing Simon talk about this time um, in his life on a few occasions. And I've seen many, many people touched by his story. If you have some time, I really do recommend going and hunting out an interview or a podcast uh, with him where he talks about his life or his faith. He never, ever mentions one without the other. He didn't say that his faith made it easy. He said his faith made it possible. Stories like this don't only impact his life and his son's life, but also those who hear him speak, those who are around him. As I say, he's now back working in the media again and openly speaks to his colleagues about his faith and his story and his life. And if you think about where he's placed, they are some big names that he's talking to. And it's not just because he goes, hey guys, listen to this. It's because they see something different and they go, Simon, tell me, what is it? What have you got? Tell me about it. But he also goes, you know what, I had a bit of a rubbish weekend, but it's all right, God was with me. Because the power of hope is incredible. It says in the Bible, in uh, Hebrews 6 and verse 19, that we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Hope and faith are so interwoven and intertwined. This man in Cana hoped that Jesus was who he said he was, or more to the point, actually who others said he was. At this point, Jesus actually hadn't spoken much himself about who he was. He was this man was relying on other people's stories. That was what his faith was in. And that is the same faith that Simon Thomas has, the same faith that you or I can have. This man had a faith that we can have, but we are living on the other side of the cross. We have the resurrection. We have so many hundreds and thousands of stories of what God has done and what he continues to do. This man in Cana who had faith, all he'd ever seen or really just heard was that a wedding, this guy turned water into wine and then he went to Jerusalem and said some slightly controversial things, <laughs> not slightly, incredibly controversial things about God and about who he was. And if that's all this man had and he still had faith that his most precious thing in the world, his son would survive, how much more faith can we have with so many more hundreds of thousands of thousands of thousands of stories? And if we carry on reading this story, we can see that this man also witnessed his own miracle. Everything played out exactly as Jesus said it would. As he approached home, he met one of his servants who told him that his boy was alive. Sue read, when he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, his fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. We sang earlier that old classic song, I walk by faith, each step by faith, to live by faith, I put my trust in you. That is literally what this man did. He literally walked from Capernaum, maybe on a horse, maybe the horse did the walking, but from Capernaum to Cana and back again by faith. 
Each and every single step he took towards Jesus and back towards his son was in faith in this man, Jesus, that he had just heard these stories about. We are called to do the same, to rely on the stories we hear and the things that we see and the things that we hear and the things that we experience, to walk by faith, each step by faith, to live by faith and to put our trust in Jesus. What is going on in your life at the moment that is stopping you declaring that Jesus is your saviour? Are there situations in your life where you can only see one way out? Ask Jesus to show you his way through. What is God telling you about trusting him in spite of all that may be going wrong? Who could you share some of your testimony with this week? What story or stories could you tell them?